Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is May 27th, 2019. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both from McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 146 where you'll be able to find links to the things we talk about as well as ways to check out our sponsor and other things we uh, want you to to look at. Uh, so one of the, the sponsor is LibertyMugs.com. So buy some awesome libertarian themed mugs there. And also uh, go to 10 hours of Bitcoin.com. It's a great resource to learn Bitcoin. And if you go down to the donate uh, link all the way at the bottom of that page, we are running a bounty uh, for, for something to uh, $500 for someone who performs the tasks. So if you're interested in helping us out, with that website, uh, make sure to go to 10hoursofbitcoin.com and check it out. And you can ask us any questions you have with it. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our episode topic. Thanks, Rallo. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, maybe many things, maybe not, but certainly an article in that was in the, uh, the San Diego Union Tribune uh, posted... I don't see a date on it. It's a recent one. Uh, May 25th, 2019. There it is. Okay. And it was about a town hall that Representative Duncan Hunter did. And uh, uh, him him and his father, uh, both congressmen, or or maybe the father was at one time and is no longer. Uh, But they did a town hall to talk about things that are important to San Diego, uh, mainly the border wall, immigration, but then they also – I'll start reading the article because uh, this is kind of the second half of the article. Uh, they talk about Edward Gallagher and Matthew Goldstein. So let me read these first two paragraphs or so. Then we'll, we'll comment on it and uh, just give some of our thoughts on this. <clears throat> so, quote, the younger hunter also addressed some other issues, including the pending court-martial case against San Diego-based Navy SEAL chief Edward Gallagher, and Army Captain Matthew L. Goldstein. Both are charged with committing war crimes during their service, Gallagher in Iraq and Goldstein in Afghanistan. Gallagher is charged with several crimes, including killing a teenage Islamic State fighter who was brought to his unit for medical treatment. He's accused of stabbing the fighter in the neck. Prosecutors also said he texted a photograph of himself next to the dead fighter and wrote he, quote, Got him with my hunting knife, end quote. As he recounted the allegation of Gallagher posing next to a dead body for a photograph, Hunter, also a veteran who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, said, a lot of us have done the exact same thing. He said he too had a photo taken of himself next to a dead combatant, but said he did not text it or post it to social media. Hunter called the military justice system corrupt, run by lawyers and bureaucrats intent on pursuing war fighters. He said he would support a pardon of the two men from Trump, who has indicated he was considering doing so. uh, Hunter also said the civilian justice system was as bad as the military, saying ambitious prosecutors were simply out to get wins under their belt. Hunter declined to comment on his own pending court case when asked during a meeting with reporters before the forum. And then it talks about his case, which they were, he and his wife were uh, charged with illegally converting more than $250,000 in campaign contributions for living expenses. So that's basically the, the part of the article we want to discuss. 
Rollo, what's your uh, immediate reaction to that? Duncan Hunter saying, no big deal. We all do this. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, uh, really sad <laughs> if that's yeah, the case. Because I, I don't think this is kind of a story that's necessarily or, – or an attitude that's something that is necessarily – that crazy for guys that that have gone to war it's i think it really changes you because it's an extremely traumatic experience for you to go over there be getting shot at and you know shooting back and you kill people and you're you're i'm sure you're all strung up with adrenaline after that and you know it's you probably do some weird crazy things that you wouldn't otherwise um so the fact that he was kind of Hunter was just kind of saying like, I mean, it's something that we all do. It, it, it was probably somewhat normalized for them. And I say that as someone, you know, on the outside of all this, I never was in the military, never, you know, had was, was involved in lethal combat like that. But, uh, you know, war. I mean, we see all these soldiers coming back from, from these wars with, tremendous amount of PTSD and and all sorts of other mental and psychological problems and we can't sit here and say that you know war doesn't mess with your brain in tremendously awful ways so um, I know a lot of libertarian reactions to something like this might be like oh you're a monster for for you know killing a guy and then then taking a picture with them and I know don't I think I heard stories I forget who it was from but they said that like guys would take like literally take body parts oh yeah of, uh, Nick Terce talks like, about like, that in Vietnam of them collecting yeah, ears fingers. and stuff like that fingers ears. yeah um, I mean it, the Native Americans would collect scalps yeah no I mean, we, we I, can... I've been on yeah if you go on YouTube you start clicking around you get things and there's stories of Vietnam vets talking about doing that um talking about taking ears as trophies and even people in charge telling them whoever brings back the most gets whatever, some kind of award or money or who knows what. Um, so it's certainly something that happens. Um, with, yeah. With, yeah, and, say, with regard, <coughs> excuse me, with regards to Gallagher, I did um, reach out to Jared, who we had on our show two, three weeks ago. Uh, as well as a couple other uh, vets that I know, and so three total. But all of them told me they were not; they didn't see this stuff happening. It's not as common as hunters trying to make it out to be. So you can you can take this. I guess I could take this a couple ways. One, it does happen all the time, but there's this code of silence that they're not going to break. Um, or two, it really doesn't happen that often, which I, I like to believe because I think. You know, we live with these people, and I think I do think most of them have a good heart in the right place, and uh, that's really just real dehumanizing um, to do something like that, which the military does to people. And I think that's the problem, and what war does to people takes otherwise good people and uh, really turns them into killers. And in order to kill people, you have to think that's not a person. It can't be a person. You it has to be an animal. It has to be something other than human. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've never been to war. I don't know what it's like there. 
but I, I have heard from three people who have been very honest with me on, on other things. So I have no reason not to believe them, but that, that, that this is rare. However, the damage is done. Uh, Rallo and I were talking about this before we started recording. If we saw an Afghan citizen, which we probably have, I'm, I'm sure there's been pictures like this, where they kill an American and take their picture with it or cut their head off and pose with it. And what do we do? We call them monsters and it makes us angry. It's the same thing's going to happen over there if they see a U.S. soldier doing that with one of their fellow countrymen. Um, it's not, you're, you're creating enemies by doing these things. Uh, it's not, it's not going to end well. And I just, my heart breaks for everyone involved in these wars. I, it's just a horrible thing. Yeah, it's, it's those people over there. It's their entire life. A lot of them is, uh, I mean, look at it this way. There's, there's people that are now like, getting able to or no they can ever since they're old enough to to join the military people that were born after september 11th people that Mm -hmm. have been that have only uh lived in this state of current war that we're in not even i mean you know i think you and i we've our lives we've been (laughs) in a a state of constant warfare but not not like the wars. not to the same extent i mean when when we were kids in the 90s like of of course the united states army was doing things right uh but we didn't know about it i mean besides the gulf war yeah but like to but to this explicit war explicit wars that we're seeing we have now i mean there's there's kids now that are old enough to go fight in the military um and we see how that kind of feels weird that we've been in a war and there's kids that are now old enough to fight it before it even started. So, and we see what that does to American soldiers and, and really the vast majority of the war has not been fought on our soil. Uh, we all remember September 11th, but, you know, and we can all remember how we felt back then. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us, I know, you and I were not libertarians back then. I was in eighth grade. You were in a, a senior in high school. And, you know, we were all, and, and much of the country, we were all pretty pretty ticked off about what happened and wanted to go, uh, you know, go, go mess things up on the other side of the world as payback. So if you put yourself in the shoes of those people that live over there, and, uh, you know, because yeah, I don't think there's many American, not that I know of or not that I've heard of, many American soldiers, you know, cutting off uh, Afghans' heads and taking pictures. I mean, obviously the stuff that al-Qaeda and ISIS do, is doing is a lot more extreme. But if you can imagine, you know, like I said, there's kids that are growing up that have, that their entire lives have been, as this war is going on, and we can say that's kind of weird and, and, and not good. So just imagine that your entire life, people our age and older, that their entire life has been uh, other, country, other governments coming in with their armies and occupying their land and blowing up their neighborhoods and blowing up their families, blowing up their schools, blowing up their hospitals and just like laying complete waste. So, you know, it goes without saying, but it doesn't justify the nasty stuff they're doing. But to have this sort of hatred and to think that, you know, Westerners are, are animals that yeah. that don't deserve not having their heads cut off like that. I mean, it, it kind of, 
it kind of adds a, adds a perspective that you need to think about when when you think about what's going through these people's minds because i don't think these people i don't think people in afghanistan are, are born any more evil or any more more good than people in the united states or any western country um but when you're when you're thrown into an environment it's just evil and awful and just i, I it's unimaginable for me i mean i'm th- i mean i spent the weekend down the shore um and i had gorgeous weather i got to sit on the beach do some fishing spend time with my family without any sort of care or concern about something bad happening to us i mean what was what was bad was the bad thing that could happen to us was oh we're gonna get rained out on one day so um (laughs) imagine i imagine just never like the idea of, of having that for one of these people would just be like the greatest thing in the world that um, just for one weekend to be able to experience life like that. Um, just don't have it. It's a, it's a different, it's a different world over there. And again, you know, not defending anything that, that they do in retaliation, but uh, I don't know. I think yeah. it, I think it shows a, a cycle because it, it shows when something – I didn't lose any family members or any friends in the September 11th attacks, but I know how I felt. And I, Again, I was young, but I know how a lot of people around me felt. So um, when it really gets personal, you can imagine how those people feel. Uh-huh. So it I mean, just think about it, it's if, a vicious cycle is what even, I'm trying to say. Even if you have somewhat Western values living in Iraq or Afghanistan – I don't know if, who does, how many people do. I'm sure there's some. I mean, there's some people who are wel- welcoming the U.S. military. So they must, uh, at least in some way, or they're just scared. I, I don't know. Um, so you join the stronger side. I, I don't know what the case is. But even if you have Western values, and this is happening, how can you really trust the United States? Um, I know I wouldn't if, if it's, it's like, if we, if we're here, just like, like you said, nine eleven that happens. It gets you angry. If that happened today, would you think I would, I mean, of course I would be anti-war, but I wouldn't be happy. Wouldn't make me trust these people. If they kept, if they wanted to come over and, uh, you know, teach us the right way, what they believe is the right way to live. I would not want that. I would not trust them. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near them. Um, and so that's, I mean, you just got to put yourself, what, what I try to do is put myself in that situation and the people who live this way and have lived that way for a long time and have their tribes and families in that area forever and have their own culture and their own traditions. Now you have someone else coming over telling you that this is the way things are going to be done. You're going to resist it. And that's why it's an unwinnable war. It'll continue to go on until the United States decides to stop because they're not going to stop. It's on their home turf. Yeah, and and to go back a little bit to these American soldiers, you know, taking pictures. Yeah, like the, the Abu Ghraib. Remember that one? Yeah, just how it, it how it changes people. Uh, it, I didn't. Well, I forget what we were talking about before we started recording about that. Uh, but uh, it just re- it reminded me about the My Lai massacre during the Vietnam War, and this documentary I watched about it, where they had. You know, they went through and told the story, and they had soldiers that were there. Some of them, most 
for them <laughs> or took part in committing the atrocities. And, uh, you know, if you didn't, if no one told you that these guys were, were veterans of the Vietnam War and like massacred women and children, you think that these were just like normal guys. And I don't think that most of these soldiers are, are uh, you know, going over there being psychopaths. I think they're teenagers that are, you know, get propagandized by, you know, movies and TV shows and commercials and, and seeing the guy in the snappy uniform, like just all the stuff we talked about when we had Jared on the show. And so they go over there. And I don't think that, you know, you slappy or me or anyone listening if we got thrust into that situation that i don't know that a lot of us would act any differently than a lot of these guys over there uh because that's not something that humans should have to deal with and it it, it absolutely has to screw with your mind in in awful ways that make would make you act in in just terrible terrible ways and and what i wanted to say about uh the guys in the meal i massacre too is like some of them were like knew what they did was wrong and you could tell they were really upset the other guys kind of knew the situation was wrong but they were you know they couldn't blame themselves and and you just feel awful awful for the for these guys but that just yeah just terrible unwinnable situations that they were put in that they end up doing just commit war crimes but you can look at these guys and you you kind of know in your heart of hearts that all right these guys aren't evil people well that's why when you talk about something like uh melee we should you know if you if you want to call someone a hero or have a name that should be taught in the history classes it's it's hugh thompson jr who was that helicopter pilot yeah um because most very obviously most people won't do what he did and stand up to the orders. Uh, it's almost, you get, you got to say, it's almost impossible to do that. That He must have had tremendous character. I don't know his whole story. I imagine he was drafted. I imagine he didn't want to go there, but I don't know for him to do what he did and stand up to that sergeant or whoever was giving orders and tell him, I'm going to fire on you. If you continue is, uh, takes a lot of balls to say yeah, the least absolutely and he got his reward for that was he was sent on suicide missions after that yes Somehow I forgotten. it did he didn't get his uh he didn't get commended for it until it broke out in the press yes and he refused the medal yes which further shows that guy's character yeah i mean so, if you want to talk about a war hero he's at the top of my list absolutely um, another thing that I, I, wa- I was watching last night, so I've been watching this Chernobyl uh, show on HBO, and I'm caught up. There's only three episodes, so I, I watched the first three. So I went on demand and just scrolling through HBO documentaries, seeing if there's anything good to watch. And I saw one that James Gandolfini did called War Torn. Have you ever seen that? No. It's very, um, I, don't, I don't know the word, chilling, scary, sad. Uh, but he talks about he he talks about PTSD from the Civil War up until 2010, essentially today, Iraq and Afghanistan, and so he's interviewing a lot of vets. He's also reading stories or a narrator is reading stories of uh, even the Civil War going back that far. And it, it, it starts with um, guys going off to join the Union Army, and he's very proud to be fighting for the. Uh, they they got this information from letters that he sent home, and you just see his condition deteriorate as as the war continues. It's very sad. 
Uh, they talk about World War One and World War Two. They had some World War Two vets that they interviewed, and we, or at least myself, especially growing up, um, that World War Two generation was pretty much our grandparents. Uh, my grandfather didn't fight in World War Two. He did fight in Korea in the, in the 50s. So, so, you know, but in that range, people my age, a little older, their grandparents were World War II vets. We always saw the old men walking around with a WW2 vet hats on, and they're always proud Americans. And to see a room full of them crying, talking about their experience and how that affected their life. And the one guy hasn't talked to his kids. <laughs> they won't talk to him because he came back a different person and was angry and was violent and used alcohol. He wasn't getting any treatment back then. No one got treatment for this stuff. And there were several of them talking about this, and it's, it's kind of, um, and a lot of them on, on camera said, this is the first time I'm talking about this story. And they'll, they'll tell a story of what happened there and what they did. And, you know, the one guy in World War II said he uh, killed a German but as he was bleeding out, he was pointing to his chest. So he went in the jacket pocket, pulled out, and it was a picture of his family. And he said, what? like when you see the guy smiling with his wife and kids, <laughs> you know, it, it basically humanizes him. It's not that soldier who's just wearing that uniform and looks like all the rest of them. And he's just a, you know, stormtrooper, just knock him over. Now, now it put a life to it. And he said, and this, he's talking 50 years after the fact, or maybe longer, 55, 60. I, I guess it was filmed in 2008, 9, 10, in that, in that range. Uh, it's just horrifying to think that these guys, because their attitude was when you, when you came home, you're a tough guy. You can't talk about it. You can't get help for this. You have to be strong. And they live with this for a long time, and they never forget it, and they have nightmares every night. And this is what war will do to someone. It's been the same all throughout time. Uh, thankfully, I guess, they're learning how to treat it. But I think the best treatment would be not to create the problem to begin with. And as we saw the U.S. Army, Twitter put out that tweet that got over 10,000 responses, an overwhelming majority of them negative with their experience in serving. People are going to start waking up to it. And... I think things like this uh, Iran war talk that's brewing, I don't know how willing the population is going to be to start a war there. So we'll see what happens. But uh, have you been following that story at all in Iran? A little bit. Uh, it it bothers me too much to think that we're going to be in another war. So I've been kind of... Uh, if I think about it too much, it drives me crazy. At, ar at arm's reach. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I'm just kind of looking at these other things, especially that response on Twitter, because usually when someone puts out a pro-government thing, you get like, you know, a handful of anarchists post critical things like, say, of the cops. And then you'll have a bunch of people coming in and saying, yeah, you just want to live in a society where it's OK. Did you lose me there for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm back. Okay. Um, you were saying uh, you just wanted ANCAPs come in with coffee. Oh, uh, right? yeah. Like, so, so, yeah. So, a police shoots someone, and, and usually it's a bunch <laughs> of people coming to the defense of cops and saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You try to live like they do, or you try to do their job, or whatever. You know, they, the stupid status responses come back. But with this U.S. Army one, there wasn't too many at all. 
it was almost all negative experiences. And so that kind of tells you people are, are, are waking. I don't want to say waking up because that sounds so arrogant or pretentious or like I have the answers and all these idiots don't. I'm not trying to say that, but people clearly see what's going on because of their personal experience and the experience of their loved ones that hopefully that kind of does create somewhat of an anti-war movement. But I guess time will tell because you know, they're going to be pushing for it. They're always pushing for it. They're pushing for one right now. So we'll see what the reaction is. Yeah. And another point I want to make um, about whether or not these soldiers that go over to fight these wars are, are like bad guys or they're just normal people that get put in the bad spots and, and end up doing some crazy things that they would never otherwise do. If you want to make the argument that, no, 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 these guys are like the, the psychopaths that just have it in them that they want to go and uh, and and commit a lot of bad stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe there are certain people that uh, – I don't doubt it – that they have more of a uh, – um, what's the word? Uh, not the potential, but the, uh, it's kind of in it more for them to, to maybe be, uh, be a nastier type of person mm-hmm. uh, when they're in there. They, you know, they kind of like flip turns a switch on for them and, and they can, they can go kind of nuts. But if you want to make an argument that that's like most of soldiers, most of the soldiers that are going over there or something, that's why these things are happening. Then, I mean, what what do you think would happen if we weren't in this constant state of warfare? I mean, these people would still exist, and they wouldn't be soldiers. They'd be doing something else. I mean, maybe some of them become cops, but I don't think a lot of them – I don't think all of them would. I mean, we right. only need a certain number of police, and, and those numbers seem pretty well satisfied with uh, with all the – the people in the military we have now. So I don't know that we would live in a world with like a much higher rate of uh, violent crime. If certain guys didn't have the opportunity to kind of let all that out in another country against foreigners. So uh, I think it provides, and I have, I have, I have nothing to back that up. I'm just kind of going off my gut feel for that. But um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it provides, if my thought process is correct, I think it provides some good evidence that um, that war does really does change you mm-hmm. in a bad way and, and just creates situation puts you in situations that um, just ends in, in ends in you doing horrible things that you would would otherwise never do. Would otherwise never do exactly. Um, so, you know. With Duncan Hunter, uh, I hope, my hope really is that he was saying that when he said that this happens all the time, that I did it, it's no big deal. It's just his trying to look out for his comrade, you know, his buddy, and maybe he embellished, maybe he lied. Hopefully that's not the case that this is happening all the time. I don't think it sends a good signal to people over there who are supposedly liberating or helping Um, It's also dehumanizing and very sad. And I don't know how you're supposed to come back and live in society after you're exposed to things like that, if you do things like that. So I hope that Duncan Hunter is just defending his guy and willing to say anything in order to defend him. And that's not actually true. Uh, That's my hope. And if it is true, well, I, you know, I feel bad for him and I hope he's okay. (laughs) And I hope all the other guys who he says this is happening all the time, I hope they're okay. 
Uh, I have a feeling if you look at the numbers, what is it, 22 a day? Uh, I have a feeling a lot of them are not okay. So, I uh, mean, veteran suicides? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you read that Twitter thread, a lot of people talking about it. You know, my brother went away and came back a different guy, and then he blew his brains out. You know, there, there's countless of them on that Twitter thread. It's very sobering. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything else. To yeah, say. there's not much to say, right? I mean, it is. It's just I think it's, you know, most people who are listening to this are, are anti-war anyway. Um, but you never know who will listen and you'll never know who will get a different perspective or a different way to talk about it or even, you know, somewhat empathizing with the troops who are there. Um, there are people like any of us grew up in the same neighborhoods as us because they're trained to do awful things and they do awful things and they have to live with it. And I don't, I don't envy their position. Yeah, absolutely. I always make a, make a comment that today is Memorial day. And it is, it is. It, we didn't, we didn't time this episode as kind of like, well, let's, let's use this as an opportunity to be anti-war on Memorial day. It's just kind of what we ended up decided to talk about. So, um, we're not yeah, trying. To we actually didn't. I didn't even make that connection. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought it's worth bringing up because it's it, you get some. I get it. I mean, today is a day that a lot of people go out of their way to, you know, lick boots and everything. Um, but even from that perspective, shouldn't you be like honoring the guys who died? Is that? Yeah, I mean, the, you mean from like the bootlickers and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know they all go out of their way to praise the military, but right. shouldn't it be remembering the dead and thinking about the dead and thinking about things like this and what this war right. is doing to people? Yeah. I mean, shouldn't that be what Memorial Day is about? Well, yes, but, I mean, it's it's an opportunity for propaganda. Of course, and they're going to take it, so, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's... If if you want to make a, a statement about being anti-war on Memorial Day, try to do it in the context of trying to not have as many dead soldiers. Yeah, let's uh, let's make no need for Memorial Day. Right. Hundred years from now, there's not even a point to celebrate it anymore. Yep. So, uh, all right, do you have a free market success story? Uh, no, I didn't even think about this. Uh, okay. I totally forgot. Yeah, I do. I found a yeah. uh, a new place to buy tractors. Not really. Um, although maybe maybe this this will be uh, relevant. But there's a I I came across this service on. Uh, it's called Pay, P E I. I assume that's how you. Oh yeah, you sent me a link for that. Yeah, it's a way that you connect your credit card or your debit card to it, and you get cash back, neither cash or Bitcoin. Um, in a lot of your just everyday purchases, you don't have to like go out of your way to like use a. Uh, um, like a plug-in for your browser or something. It's whenever you use your credit card at certain stores. And it looks like it's a lot of like, uh, some like restaurants, coffee shops, drug stores. Uh, so it's not even, it's not like it's, uh, you got to like go to some weird specialty stores to be able to use it. Uh, but you get some cash back and you can, uh, you can cash out with Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's kind of similar to uh, Lolly. Well, Lolly's different. It is, I think it's a plug-in for your, your browser that you can, you can earn Bitcoin back at uh, certain websites, but it's a great way that uh, 
getting onboarding people to, to Bitcoin because it's it can be it can be weird for people to you know a lot of the places to to buy Bitcoin now it requires to be KYC so you got to give all your personal information for something like BISC where it actually is a, a peer-to-peer network where you don't have to do that it's a little bit more technical uh, and figuring out how to do it so you know you can't really onboard newcomers yeah. like yeah and, and anyway you can't uh, you can't be a complete newbie to Bitcoin because you need to put up Bitcoin as collateral to make any sort of trade even buying. Sure. So uh, this provides a people a good way to, to just get involved in Bitcoin and, and you can set them up, help set them up with a wallet so that once they have enough to cash out, they can they can send it to their wallet and, and have some Bitcoin. Um, so it's uh, and, and it doesn't it doesn't force them. All they have to do is kind of a one time thing, do the sign up and uh, and do it. They don't have to like be focused on it all the time. It's just they make some purchases and then maybe they go check a little bit while later. So oh, I actually have some Bitcoin here and maybe I can maybe I cash out with it. So I think it's a brilliant idea and I hope there's more services like that. So we'll put a link on the show notes page and uh, I'll put a, I'll put my referral link because I think you can uh, if you sign up using a referral link, you get some both parties get get some a little bit extra money. Uh, so full disclosure, I have not used it yet. Um, I don't think I've even used my credit card since uh, since Saturday when I when I signed up for it. So um, if you want to wait and uh, hear back from me before you do it, uh, I'm sure uh, I'll be posting about it as uh, as I go through using it and kind of given my given my thoughts on it. So cool. Yeah, yeah I, I have not signed up yet, but you sent me the link and I, I've been meaning to do that, so I will. Yeah, I, uh, I, so, I showed it to my brother, and he was actually – because he's been kind of interested in Bitcoin, uh, but but never going to be one to, like, re- you know, really do the deep dive and, and try to figure it out and, and learn about it. Because, you know, he's got three young kids and, and a family and everything. He's got a ton of stuff on his plate. Um, but he, he seemed pretty interested in this when I said it because it was something simple. He doesn't have to do any anything really that different. So, again, that's, that's – P-E-I, and I don't actually know the actual website off the top of my head, but again, that'll be in the show notes page, mcflugel.com slash 146. And we'll link to the uh, the article from the San Diego Tribune, was it? Yeah, U- Union Tribune or something okay. like that. San Diego newspaper. Yep, and also have links to Liberty Mugs to, to buy a mug and annoy all your friends and families and coworkers with uh, funny libertarian mugs. And also, again, 10 hours of Bitcoin.com. And if you want to claim that $500 bounty, go check that out when you click on the uh, donate button all the way at the bottom. So uh, that's it for me. Slappy, you have any uh, closing thoughts? No, man, we're good. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Peace.